What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much uh, for coming back and uh, stopping by to check out the Pondo podcast and specifically uh, the youth ministry stream of our podcast. We just love um, getting to have these conversations every month. And uh, thank you guys so much for the encouraging feedback that you give. And um, we just hope that this and we always hope that this podcast is simply uh, a great encouragement to you, to you guys who are uh, who are doing the ministry. And uh, today I am joined uh, by another person very close to me. Um, uh, in fact, he's he's another uh, relative of mine. I, I happen to marry his uh, his sister. This is my brother-in-law, uh, Jetty Faulkner, who is the associate student pastor at Lakes Church in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, Jetty, man, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's good to yeah. talk to you. Yeah, I've known uh, Jetty since he was a baby. Literally, I, I, uh, we, we, my family moved to Florida, started going to the church that uh, Jetty's family was at. That's where I met Jessica, my wife, and uh, and I remember seeing uh, Jetty in the little window of the nursery. Um, <laughs> Just, I don't know if you were bare butt or, uh, I'm sure uh, no, nah, they probably had you clothed. I mean, that's probably, <laughs> that's pretty undignified to have babies just naked. Uh, it was the nineties though, man. <laughs> it was the nineties. <laughs> everything goes. Um, so anyways, I've known Jetty a long time. So it's been amazing to see, uh, one, his life as a, uh, as just a, a man stepping into manhood and then stepping into uh, his calling in life of, of ministry. And so, so excited to just have this conversation with him and I'll let you guys hear his story, hear his heart and, uh, and just listen to some of the things he's walked through, uh, over his time as a student pastor. And, uh, so Jetty, once you start us off, man, I, I always just love to have guys start off by sharing that story, sharing what, what led you into student ministry at all. Um, and you can take it wherever you, you, you feel like you need to go with it. But, uh, what was kind of the backstory there uh, that landed you into uh, student ministry? Cause, cause you've been in, you've been involved in it now for a few years. And so, but there's always a backstory, which I love to hear. So I'm gonna let you, uh, you dive in and just, uh, yeah, share a little bit about your life. Yeah. So my story from the people that I've talked to and that I know is, is actually kind of different than most people. Um, so, so I grew up around ministry. Like, like you said, I grew up at, uh, Ardella Baptist Church, uh, my home church here in Lakeland. Um, a lot of my family was in ministry. Obviously, you. I mean, yep. I I don't remember not knowing you. Um, I, I every as far as back as I can look or think about, you were always there, and so you're always leading worship. And um, obviously, your dad was the youth pastor. He left before right the summer I was going into sixth grade, so he yeah. technically was never my youth pastor. But I was just surrounded by it. But for some reason, um, and I know the reason now, but <laughs> at the time I just never thought about ministry. Um, I, I started helping in, in worship ministry in high school, 10th, 11th grade year, something like that. Um, you actually taught me how to play guitar for the first <laughs> time. Um, you said, I'll teach you four chords and that's all you need capo, to know, man. <laughs> you can pretty much play anything. And that's, that's all you need. That's pretty, pretty true. Yep. Um, so I just kind of took that and ran with it and started helping the worship ministry. So I kind of always, I guess, assumed I would be involved in worship ministry in some regard. Um, I never thought of it as a vocational thing because my whole life up until 
I was given the opportunity to be in ministry, my worship leader was at Ardella was a plumber. <laughs> like he <laughs> yeah. was, he was bivocational. That's right. Um, obviously your, your grandfather, EJ was our pastor and he was full-time, but, um, once Keith left, um, it was kind of a, your dad, Keith, it was kind of a, a uh, two, three, four guys of that were either volunteer or part-time. So I just wasn't really surrounded by full-time vocational ministry right. people. So it just never crossed my mind. But so fast forward, I get involved in worship ministry and then, uh, meet my wife and we start dating. And then we go and visit a church called life point church here. in uh, now it's in Mulberry, Florida, just a little town, um, connected right next to Lakeland. Yeah. Um, uh, so we go and visit on Easter Sunday cause my parents were going there at the time. And, um, my wife and I had kind of come to a point, like, like I said, I'd grown up at Ardella, loved the church, um, was still involved with the worship ministry. Um, but we had kind of come to a point where I kind of, you, you alluded to earlier, kind of just transitioning from childhood into adulthood, about to get right. married, talking about starting a family and stuff like that. And we just kind of felt both that we were at a point where we needed a to a change of some sort. She wasn't super plugged in at a specific church yet. She had grown up at a church and just recently started going to a different church anyway. Yeah. So we visit this church called life point and we both very strongly feel God calling us there. Not again, not to be in ministry, but just yeah. to go there. Right. Um, your uncle Brady <laughs> is the pastor there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. The, those people listening, they'll, they'll pick up pretty quick if they haven't already, that it's all, <laughs> It's, all, it's all kind of just, yeah, it's all connected. <laughs> even all, where I'm, even where I'm at now, right. even where I'm at right now, there's a huge connection. So, right. um, anyway, so we both felt very strongly and uh, that we needed to be at life point. So we decided to go there. One thing led to another, they asked me to, um, help out in the worship ministry. I just kind of helped lead. I didn't, I didn't really facilitate anything. I just showed up and kind of played guitar and sang whatever. Um, a few months go by, they asked me to take over the worship ministry again, never thinking it would be a full-time thing. Just, yeah. I, I kind of figured I would work a job that I hated <laughs> Monday through Friday, maybe Monday through Saturday and show up on Sunday and, and do do what I love to do. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I did that for a while. We had our first kid and, um, and then about a year in, uh, the pastor, your uncle Brady came to me and my wife and said, Hey, how do you, I want you to pray about, um, taking over the student ministry. My initial response was not a chance, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like I, I had for two big reasons. One was, um, my wife and I were going through some, through some things. Um, God had humbled me in some huge ways. Yeah. Um, and so I was just, we, I mean, he was just building us back up. And so I was at a point spiritually, where I was like, I don't, I, I mean, I'm in, I'm in no place to, hmm. to, to shepherd, to lead a, a group of teenagers. And not to mention, I, didn't have, like, I loved my youth group growing up. Um, but there was also a lot of drama, which is, I've yeah. come to find out, which is doesn't matter where you're, where you're at. That's just part of it. Um, and so those two big things were like, ah, I don't really like teenagers and I don't, <laughs> at least so I thought, but, uh, but then my wife and I started, he's like, just, just pray about it. So my wife and I started praying about it. And I remember it clear as day, we were both, um, doing our devotions I was in the living room. My wife was in our, our bedroom and we both at the same time kind of met in the hallway. And we we're just like, this is what God wants us to do. Like, it was like, 
it was the coolest, craziest thing. It was just so clear. Obviously God didn't audibly speak to us, but we just, we just knew, like, I mean, there was, I don't know how to say it. We just knew. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, we agreed to do it, started just volunteer. Um, I was working construction at the time. And so I would show up nasty, sweaty, stinky, and sing a couple songs and started with seven students. And it was super awkward. Yeah. Uh, it was just me singing to seven students for yeah. a while. Um, and then they started inviting friends. We started growing and by God's grace, um, the student ministry started growing, the church started growing. And, um, the big, the big turning point for, for lack of a better term, my ministry career, yeah. um, was we were gifted a church building. Yeah. Um, and so pastor Brady, your uncle Brady, he said, he had communicated to me, um, throughout this time they had started kind of paying me part-time a right. little bit. We were smaller, smaller context. Um, they just were doing what they could to help. And it was, it was obviously very, we were thankful for it. Um, but yeah, we were gifted that church building and he approached me and said, Hey, how do you feel about coming on full time? Mm. Um, cause so I don't know if I've said it, but I've alluded to the fact I was the student pastor and the worship leader. Yeah. Um, kind of a, a dual role there. And so like, that was probably the, really the first time. I mean, he had brought it up a couple of times up to that point about being full-time ministry. Um, but it was still felt like such a far off idea. Right. And then when he fully was like, no, this needs to happen. Like now we need, I want this to happen. That's when I was like, Oh man. But I, as far as the, the call to, to ministry and, and student ministry specifically, like when we said yes, that first Wednesday, I remember the conversation so clearly, right. We left that night, went home and I looked at my wife and I was like, this is what I was made to do. Like mm. this, I'm going to do this forever. <laughs> like yeah. Lord willing, I want right. to do this forever. So yeah. I guess that kind of explains my call. Yeah. Yeah. I love that man. And, um, and so you uh, stepped in there at LifePoint. Obviously, you were attending uh, there for to start, then brought on part time, then went into to the full time position there, doing both uh, worship uh, and student ministry. So, um, how long uh, how long did you and uh, how how long was your time there at LifePoint? It did it end up being. So we started attending LifePoint in. 2012. Yeah. Um, I was on volunteer slash part-time there for about two and a half years. Yeah. Um, and then I was on full-time almost two years to the day. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, and then from that point, um, uh, God had, uh, had led you and your family to, um, to, to leave life point, to head to another opportunity at, uh, where you're at now, currently at it's called Lakes Church, which mm-hmm. is actually uh, formerly uh, First Baptist Church at the Mall uh, of Lakeland. They it's a, it's crazy. The their church uh, bought an old uh, shopping mall. Shop, like when you think of like old school shopping mall, I'm talking like old 80s, 90s indoor shopping mall, and uh, they converted that into to their church. So they, they are definitely not short on, uh, on space at all, uh, where they're at now. And, uh, so how long have you been on staff there at Lakes church? Uh, so January was a year. So about a year and a half at this point. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then there at Lake church, um, you're, you're, you've taken on this, uh, associate student pastor role. So what does that look like for you? Like when it comes to your position and what you do on a day to day, like what is, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So, so my, my, my position is, it's kind of a hybrid. I would explain it or yeah. describe it. Um, so yes, I'm the associate. We have a lead and associate dynamic, um, as far as the student ministry itself, but my pretty much my main responsibility is leading, um, and equipping the student worship ministry. Okay. Um, there's been, there's a, been a culture here for, for a very long time. I want to say like 10 plus years of, of just quality students coming up through the ministry yeah. that are incredibly gifted, um, musically and instrumentally, um, but also like have gone on to be great, like worship leaders. Yeah. Um, and we, I mean, we still, our church still reaps from that. That's <laughs> I mean, awesome. Half of the, I mean, our South, we have three campuses here. Um, our South campus worship leader came from that group. Yeah. Our ministry, our worship ministry associate came from that group. Like, I mean, all these people, the list could go on and on. And so that's, all, that's awesome. Um, my, my position is it kind of took two, two kind of, two kind of, uh, part-time ideas or part-time positions yeah. and kind of molded them into one. So I teach, um, pretty consistently. We also have an intern that's incredibly gifted. Yeah. Um, so he gets, he gets, he gets some great opportunities to teach. Um, but I teach pretty much, pretty much every other week I'd say. Yeah. Um, but I'm leading worship, um, every single week. And I'm also, when I, the reason I said hybrid is because, um, I'm a student pastor by title. Um, but I'm also pretty involved in like the main worship service as well. I'm, I'm on pretty much every other week yeah. on Sunday mornings, um, for one of our services. So it's kind of a, a both end type deal. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the, um, the role you're in for the main worship, um, team, are you, uh, are you having to be pretty involved in the planning and the detailing of that? Or is it just, you know, you, you step in, uh, you have people that, that organize and plans makes, you know, the set list, things like that. And you're just stepping in to lead from time to time, or are you pretty highly involved in all the kind of behind the scenes stuff of that? So it's also kind of a both end. So, um, when I'm plugged in, on a Sunday morning here at our, our downtown campus, it's not, it's usually a, Hey, here's the set. This these are the songs you're leading things like that. Um, but another kind of bigger part of my, my role here is I'm also the fill in guy. So yeah. if, so like I mentioned, like I said, we have, we have, um, three campuses. So take this past Sunday, yeah. um, our South campus, uh, worship leader was unable to be there. So, uh, something came up and I found out Saturday night that I'm leaving <laughs> Sunday morning. So the set was already in place. Thankfully it was songs I knew. Um, and yeah. so I showed up and led, um, for both services at our South campus. But anytime I'm, I fill in and I'm, and I know ahead of time, like it's not an emergency. Um, yeah. I, I determine the sets then. Um, yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, so it's kind of a both hand. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, so let's dive into this. I, 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 uh, I, I think there are a lot of people in similar situations that listen to this podcast that are, that find themselves in the dual role roles. Maybe it's mm-hmm. not wor- worships in student ministry. Maybe it's, you know, um, student ministry and the janitorial staff or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, um, or kids, students and kids, or, you know, I, I just, I know that a lot of churches, um, yeah ask a lot of, of a lot of staff members and, 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 and people are very gifted to be able to accomplish both, both tasks. But, uh, I am always curious when, uh, to talk to people who, who find themselves in those dual roles. Um, what is, how do you balance it? I mean, how do you balance the, um, the mental, also the, the physical and, and, and really the, the heart, because, because I know sometimes they can pull you in both ways. Cause you, you I know you, um, you know, I'm, 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 I, I, I was kind of the same way growing up. I, I had this huge heart and passion for worship. I had this huge heart and passion for students. And, um, and so sometimes our heart can be pulled both ways as you know, and sometimes it's from week to week to week, uh, I think uh, even, but, how have you find, uh, how have you found any type of balance? If you have found any type of balance with really the, the heart and, and the work behind all that. Yeah. So I think you hit the nail on the head. It's kind of a day by day, week by week thing. Yeah. There's definitely times when I feel more pulled in one direction than the other, but then the next day or the next week it changes. Right. Um, I, I feel very blessed to be able to do both. Cause like you said, I, I do feel so strongly mm-hmm. drawn to both. Um, I mean, obviously the question comes up from many people, like if you had to choose and I, I don't know how to answer, <laughs> like ultimately the way I answer is, well, thank God I don't have to right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause yeah. like, I really don't, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I trust that God will give me peace when that time comes. But yeah. as of right now, I can't see myself not doing one or the other. Right. Um, but as far as balance, um, I don't know. I'm, I would imagine maybe the listeners are hoping for this amazing. (laughs) And my experience ultimately where I've kind of come to is like, I just, I just do what I need to do when I need to do it. Yeah. Um, and I've, and I've, I'm a, I'm an avid overthinker. Um, and so Mm. early on, I, I, I would kind of get myself in a bind and and kind of self-sabotage in a way of, so on nights, especially the church I came from, the small right. context, I would lead worship and then I would preach. Yeah. And so like the whole time leading worship, I'm thinking about my message. And then the whole time during my message, I'd be thinking back on the chord that I missed or the, yeah. the voice crack that I had or, you know what I mean? <laughs> Things like that. And so. Come on, but, you don't voice crack, Jetty. Oh, I do it all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> all the time. It's, it's, I just look at it as a way of, of how God consistently humbles me. So, yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, so I guess a practical thing that I've, that I've learned for myself and this may not apply to anybody else, but, um, preparation is so, so yeah. vital when, when I feel like I'm, and I, I never feel prepared enough to, to, to teach or to preach. I never do. Um, I don't know anybody that actually does, hmm. but when I, when I can look at myself and say, okay, I've, I've put in the effort, you know what I mean? Like our, my pastor, um, Aaron Bergner, you're one of your really good buddies. He always talks about 
preaching from the overflow of your heart. Yep. And so when I've filled myself properly with uh, absorbing the word of God and, and spending time in genuine prayer and community and communion with the father and things like that, like when I'm, when I'm in that state, emotionally, spiritually, physically, yeah. like I still mess up, right. I'm, I'm, sure. I'm a sinful human, but right. um, it's just a completely different perspective and mindset and heart set for me when I'm leading worship or when I'm, when I'm teaching from just the overflow of something that I've, I've been filling myself with every week. And, mm-hmm. I, and I don't think so much on the details. I just kind of like the, the old phrase, let go and let God kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Um, when I'm not prepared, I tend to try to depend on myself too much. Yep. Um, and it always ends poorly. <laughs> yeah. So, and I definitely haven't mastered this. I mean, it's something I have to remind myself of daily. Yeah. Um, but in my experience, the practical side of things, when I, when I know I've, when I can truly look at the situation and, and know that I've prepared enough, mm. um, it doesn't, I don't feel the tension. Yeah. That's good, man. No, that's, that's amazing. That That's a great answer. Um, and, and I think, um, I think those listening that to find themselves in those, those dual roles, I mean, I think that's ultimately, that, that is what it comes down to being, being prepared. And, um, and I think being flexible, being adaptable, all those things come into play. Do you, uh, this is kind of off, off that topic. Uh, obviously these are roles that are expected of you from leadership, you know, uh, there at your church. Do you ever feel like, um, people within the, uh, each of those ministries, whether it be student, the student ministry side or the worship ministry side, do you ever feel like they, they look at you and they're like, Oh man, he's, he's committing so much time to the worship that he's not focusing on us or, or, uh, or from the worship side that it's like, Oh, you know, he's, he's got his head in the student ministry or his heart in student ministry. So he's maybe not as focused. Do you ever feel that tension or, or maybe not? I I'm just curious about that. Um, so early on, I, I, I could, I could definitely sense that. And yeah. the reason I say that is because I remember a student specifically and she was, she made it, it was a joke. Mm. She was making a joke. Um, um, but she was like, she was, uh, a group of them were going with our lead. They were going to go do something. What I remember exactly what it was, but right. I had to go to rehearsal for, for a session, a worship set. And, uh, she was like, Oh, so you're going to choose worship over students. Uh, and so like, it was a joke, but it hurt, you know what I mean? I was like, ah, oh, I don't man. want to, that hurt me. Yeah. But we've obviously, I mean, she's, she's like, she's just a great, she's got a great heart. I knew it, she was clearly joking, but anymore, I think, I think most people would probably look at me as a student pastor that helps lead worship rather than the other way around. I don't know if that really answers your question, but yeah, no, I um, think, th- I think that's perfect. I, I, I was just curious. I, I didn't know one way or another where you were going to go with that. Yeah. Um, but, um, but that's a, that's a, that's a funny little, little story. And, and with the, with the girl, you know, speaking into that and it, it, you know, there's probably deep down sometimes that that is a reality like that people might not voice it or say it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately if people know your heart and know you, then there comes, I, I think a piece about like, Oh, Hey, listen, God's ha- God has him doing this and God has him with us sometimes. And, you mm-hmm. know, um, so, so cool. Let's shift to like another, another side of this question or really another question altogether. 
you began there at LifePoint. Um, you were with, uh, yeah, my uncle, uh, Brady, um, pastoring that church. Um, a lot of family, a lot of my family there. And it was a church plant, you know, um, and I remember uh, really from the beginning, <clears throat> my uncle, I believe, started off in my grandparents' house. Um, mm-hmm. And it it went from there to several different buildings and different places. And now, obviously, they, like you said earlier, they've they were given their own property, their own building, uh, which is an amazing thing. But overall, um, and this is not to negate when I, when I talk in this, these terms, it's not to negate any of this. Um, but, but, but life point is a, uh, re- still a relatively, I would say small church in terms of just numerical, not from heart, you know, uh, big in heart. Um, but, but overall, um, not, not, a, not a, not a big church by any means, but then you, uh, you made this transition and move over to lakes church, which I said earlier, I mean, they bought a mall, uh, as their property, uh, but also have, you know, uh, several thousands of, of people who are part of that church. And so what was that like going from really, I, I would say you were such a, um, you played such a big part of, of life point at a small church. I mean, you were the face of the worship. You were the face of the student ministry there. Uh, at a small church and then shifting to Lake church where now you're part of this big church, big team. You're now, uh, you now step into like the associate, you know, student pastor role and fill in worship guy. And, and you're kind of, you're kind of doing all, so many things still, but what was that dynamic like? Um, and how, how, how did that look uh, transitioning from those two, dy- those two places? Yeah. First thing that comes to mind is, and I, and I heard your, uh, your podcast with your dad and something he said stuck out to me was everywhere he went, he always put down roots. Like that's where he was been. And and that was life point to me and my family. I mean, we had all three of our kids there for sure. We grew up there. That was hands down the hardest thing we've ever had to do. Um, but as far as the transition here, uh, (laughs) I would say it was like drinking from a fire hose. Like (laughs) it was unreal. And, and I was prepared as, as, much as I could be as far as like the staff and the pastor, other pastors communicating with me, like, Hey, yeah. prepare for this. Um, but you, I mean, you, you can't until you're here. Um, so it was, it was wild. Not to mention, um, at the time our worship pastor was recovering from, from cancer. Yeah. And so he was, he was completely out of the picture when I first came on staff. So I was among a couple other people, I was leaned on pretty hard to kind of fill that role. Yeah. Um, and you talk about big shoes to fill. Um, mm-hmm. that was, that was, <laughs> that was, that was crazy, but by God's grace, he's back. He's healthy. So that's amazing. That's awesome. But, um, anyway, so, so I started in January of 2020 and then as we all know, the world <laughs> fell apart in March. <laughs> yeah. And so it's actually, and not to like, I know COVID has ruined a lot of people's lives and, and taken a lot of, a lot of loved ones. Um, but it actually was a blessing to me and my family because it gave us the opportunity to catch up because mm-hmm. I mean, the church stopped like every church, they stopped yeah. <laughs> like as far as meeting and like, um, but it also gave, it also gave me a great opportunity to connect because um, obviously uh, live stream became church for everybody. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of gave me an opportunity being the associate student pastor, like it kind of showed people my face because I was a part of the, 
yeah. the weekly worship services. And so they, they saw this new guy um, who a lot of them probably had never seen before. Um, and so when we came back, it had already kind of bridged that gap and people were already familiar with me. And then as far as the student ministry side, it, it gave me an opportunity to, to catch up with, with the context we were in. And it gave me, even though a lot of them maybe didn't really know me very well yet, it gave me an opportunity to kind of show my heart and, and reach out and make phone calls and, and zoom calls and things like that, just to kind of get to know a lot of the students, at least our core group. And so, yeah, um, it, it definitely helped on my end as far as the transition. And so COVID really was again, a, a blessing for, for me specifically, I hate to say it like that. But, right. 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 Um, but yeah, it, it helped in, in many ways for us to be able to transition. Yeah. I, we had a, uh, on a, on an earlier podcast, I, there's a, a buddy of mine named Kobe who he he's kind of the same way. He stepped in right at the end of, um, uh, I guess 2019. Uh, yeah, yeah. Going into, going into 2020. And, and he said that he said the same thing. It actually, it actually, um, worked to his advantage in terms of like, they, he, you know, he wanted to come in and he had these big dreams and plans for making some, some, some pretty, pretty big changes for the student ministry. And, uh, and it, it kind of allowed him to ease into a lot of things, um, in a different way. And, uh, their youth group is, is doing, it's, it's awesome to watch their youth group. They're, they're really, uh, seem to be thriving. Um, under his leadership. And, uh, so yeah, I, I see what you're saying. You never want to make, you know, like, Oh, COVID is a, is a, is a positive thing. Uh, but, uh, but in some ways, uh, it, it absolutely, uh, allows, allowed for, um, some space to be there that, that probably otherwise wouldn't have been there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that's really cool. What, uh, what would you say, again, I, I know we're, we're talking cause we have, we have people listening from such different dynamics. And, um, and, and, uh, again, there's, it doesn't matter the size of your church, um, in terms of the, the goal and the heart of ministry and serving people. Uh, but I'm just, I'm just curious, cause you, you have been in both, both contexts, uh, fairly recently. What, what did you, what do you see now as being some advantages, um, to both sides, like the small church setting and the, the large church setting. Uh, and what have you found to be maybe some, some disadvantages or some things that, you know, don't always that are, that are tougher to work through, um, being in the smaller church setting or the larger church setting. I mean, just talk on that briefly. Yeah. So advantage that stick out to my mind or stick out in my mind, as far as a smaller setting, a smaller context is, I mean, it's super community driven. Mm. Um, and so, you tend to have just, I mean, it's, and not that you don't have, obviously you can have community in a bigger context. Um, I think our church does that very well, but being a part of the smaller context, I mean, you're with it's, I mean, we, we averaged, I think 130 people on a Sunday and that's right. babies up to adults. Right. And so it's, it's much easier and much a faster process to get to know a hundred people compared to 2000 people. Right. And so that community happens much quicker. Um, and, and I feel like not only quicker, but gets, it's deeper, much quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's obviously a huge advantage to a smaller church because, um, what it, you felt like kind of everybody was pretty much on the same page and yeah. it just takes a lot more intentionality and, and, and long-term effort 
and a bigger context. Um, one of the big disadvantages to, to, a to a smaller context is pretty obviously resources. Like, Mm -hmm. um, if you don't fundraise, you don't do much, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, and that's, but that adds to community, right? I mean, if you're fundraising together, you're raising money, raising funds, working together, that's, that's a great, great thing. But obviously a huge benefit to a bigger context is having the the resources, not only financially, but, but people, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the old adage of that, that 20% of the people do 80% of the work that in my experience, that doesn't change no matter what context you're in, yeah. but 20% of 2000 people is significantly more than 20% of a hundred people. Right. And so, um, it's that kind of that, that, that idea that there's, there's definitely more resources, um, to, to be able to, to, to set you up, to be able to do things that you may, you wouldn't be able to do in a smaller context. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I would actually kind of, I don't know if I would say it's both a disadvantage and an advantage, but one thing that I've definitely noticed in smaller contexts, you you kind of, you're kind of a jack of all trades. Like you do whatever needs to be done whenever it needs to be done. Right. I mean, I can, I can think back on times at life point that I was, on a Sunday morning before people were showing up, I was changing light bulbs and, yeah. and plunging a toilet and you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah, and of course. I didn't think anything of it. Like it's just what needed yeah. to be done. And it was it's great. What you and, do, yeah. Um, and now that not saying that I wouldn't do it now, but it's like, um, like where I'm at now, the bigger context, like there's people that that's their job. And I'm not talking about plunging toilets specifically, <laughs> yeah. but like, like children's ministry, student ministry, worship ministry, uh, evangelism, local outreach, like all these things, there's people that are on staff and most of them went to school for that specific thing. Yeah. They're gifted in that, they're gifted in that area. They have passion in that area and they can, they can do, they can focus their whole heart and mind and attention to those things. Yeah, for sure. So, so different. They're they're called to that area. Like they're called to do that with their lives. And, um, so it's, it's definitely a, a thing of you get to focus more, even though I do kind of play a, a dual role here as well. Yeah. Um, you, you, you get the opportunity to kind of, not kind of really focus on your craft for lack of a better word, like what you feel called to do yeah. and the way you feel called to do it. So it's, yeah. it's really, really pretty great. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, if Aaron were to come into your office right now with a plunger, what would be your reaction though? I am curious about that. Would you just laugh at him? Uh, yeah, he would probably, I, I would imagine he was probably coming and blaming me. Like if, <laughs> if he found a clogged toilet, he'd probably just be blaming me. He's like, I'm sure you did this. So you need to fix it. You need to go fix your problem. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's good. Good answer. Good answer. Um, all right. Let's shift. Let's shift directly into the student ministry side. And so get your, get your student ministry hat on there. And <laughs> what, are, what is something you are seeing, uh, currently, um, in the student ministry world, um, that, that you're very excited about something. I mean, something that is just, um, that gets you like, man, feeling super motivated, super, um, yeah. Excited to just be, be a part of, or to just see play out within, within the student ministry world. Yeah. I feel like, um, man, I could talk for a long time on this. I just like you with it. I'm just, I just love, I love the teenage mind. It terrifies me, but I love it. Of course. Um, probably the biggest thing though that sticks out to me is, is I feel like there's such a desire for like genuineness and authenticity 
and the teenagers of, in the culture that we're in, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at YouTube, like the things that have the biggest following are people like just raw videos of people talking about something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's definitely the following to the, to the, the channels where it's all edited and cool music and all these things, but there's such a desire and they crave genuineness and authenticity. Like they don't want the glitz and the glamor. They don't want the smoke and lights. Like they, they just want to know that their voice is heard Hmm. and that somebody cares about them. And what I see, um, not a profit at all, but what I can see coming (laughs) from this is you take a, you take a, a culture of people that are, are genuine and authentic and okay with being vulnerable. And I see phenomenal church and ministry and leaders in the kingdom of God yeah. in the next five, 10, 15 years. Mm. So that's, that's probably awesome. the biggest thing that sticks out to me. Yeah, no. Uh, and that's, that's so cool to hear. Um, I, I think, um, I, I think, I also see that I see that there is this longing for that, for genuine truth, uh, genuine community. Um, do you, do you feel like, even though they're longing for that, do you feel like they're also students on the student side? They're also displaying that. Are they, are they, is that, or are they, do you feel still feel like, um, a lot of students are living behind, like they want that, but they're not quite, you know, portraying that in, maybe social media and other avenues. Does that make, does that make sense? Do you, or do you feel like you're starting to see more openness from students that, that want that they want the genuineness and they're also putting themselves out there more, um, in the context of maybe small groups or, um, maybe their social media posts or maybe, you know, whatever it may be. Are you starting to see, uh, the shift in not only the, the, the mental side of that, but also the, the act, you know, acting that outside. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we can all think back on when we were teenagers, right? Like we, we all have walls up for, I mean, most adults still do. Um, but I think they do have, I think most, most, if not all teenagers have that desire. And once they feel that genuineness and response and that authenticity and that vulnerability from someone like, me or a a small group leader or a a church, a lay leader, whatever the case, it breaks down those walls. So I think they want it, but I mean, as a, as a person, we're always focused on self-preservation, right? Sure. The only thing that changes that is the Holy spirit humbling us and working in our lives. But so that's the natural response that I've seen with most teenagers is they, they're hesitant to, to break down their own walls in that regard. But once they see your genuineness and your authenticity, Mm -hmm. they're much more susceptible to, to let those walls down and say, okay, I see that in you. This is, I want that now I'm willing and and open to being more specific in conversation and and like, how can you help me with Mm -hmm. what I'm going through? Yeah. Um, And we saw it super in a huge way. We just uh, this past week closed out a series about talking about mental health and what scripture says about it. And like one of the biggest things we talked through was genuine, like mental health, like that you need to, to see a doctor about and stuff like that's not, it's not sinful. Yeah. And I think so many students are scared that like, 
they're going to be judged or whatever, because they have, they struggle with anxiety or depression or, or whatever the case, but it's like, no, it's, it's a result. It's a result of sin, but not your sin necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, we live in a sin sick world, but, but scripture explains how we can handle it, right? Cast your cares on him. Don't be anxious about anything like trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understandings, right? All these things that scripture just consistently points out. And it, we received such a great response from this Mm. beyond anything we could ever imagine. We knew it needed to be talked about, but we never in a million years would have thought that we were going to get the response that we did. And so it was actually really encouraging and and humbling on our behalf to say like, Oh man, this was, this was the right thing to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So cool. Well, man, we're going to wrap up our time here. Um, and uh, as always, I, I, I like to give you guys just a final word to, to just put out there as a, as a word of encouragement to other, uh, youth leaders, youth pastors, um, people that are, that are just deep in the, in the work, uh, before we dive into that, are you guys, uh, doing summer camp? Are you guys getting like geared up for that? Yeah. So we actually just finished, we call it one point, but it's our, our version of a D now conference. We are supposed to have it back in February. Oh yeah. Um, but I got COVID. Oh, I've got COVID and our Mm -hmm. lead student pastor got COVID (laughs) and his wife got COVID. You guys guys couldn't pull it together. I mean, come on. We couldn't figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so we postponed it. So we just did it this past weekend. Great turnout. Uh, had a blast of that. So um, that obviously kind of pushed back our camp stuff a little bit, but we're going to be in the July. We're for the longest time, this church, our church has gone to a camp in Alabama. Um, but this, we were supposed to go last year to this camp, but obviously COVID cut that out. So we're going to a camp uh, about an hour and a half away from here now. Um, but we went up and visited, visited it a couple of weeks ago and it's a great, great campus. We're super excited about that. So we we've already kind of started the process of planning, but we're meeting in the next couple of weeks to really nail some things, some things down and yeah. keep going. So we're obviously incredibly excited about it. It's yeah. been, I mean, it's been forever. It feels like forever since we've had a camp. I know y'all feel the same way. Excited oh, yeah. to get back in the swing of things. And yeah. So, yeah. Will you guys, uh, will you guys, uh, program, like do your own programming? Like it, everything will be done in house with, with, uh, Lakes church or will y'all take on what the camp, uh, like camp programming, or is it, is it just renting the facility kind of situation? Yeah. So we'll just rent the facility. Like, well, so I guess kind of a both end. So like they'll provide the meals and okay. the staff for the meals and stuff like that. But like the, the preaching, the yeah. the worship, all that will be in house. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Very cool, man. Excited for you guys. Excited for those students to, to get away for, for a week of the summer. And, uh, we are, we are so, I mean, like, uh, Cody talked about it. Uh, Cody Bray on, he's our d- program director here at Pondo. He's, he talked about the other day, like there's, there's a buzz around camp here that, uh, summer is happening. We're getting stuff ready. We had a, a group come in, um, Saturday this past weekend and helped us do a lot of raking and painting. And, uh, so things are, things are starting to, to turn here. And so, uh, it's very, very, very exciting, and uh, we can't wait uh, to to kick off. Okay, so let's dive back. Final word, uh, Jetty. It's all yours, man. Um, any, just anything you've been learning, you've experienced, or just whatever, whatever is on your heart that uh, you you could share with, as a word of encouragement to uh, to the other youth leaders out there. Yeah. So I I said it earlier. I'm an avid overthinker. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I've always, I've always dealt with trying to always think about what's next. Um, and so that's obviously healthy in, in many regards, um, always dreaming up ideas and where, what's coming up, what's coming down the line. But one of the biggest things I would encourage, uh, student pastors, student leaders, whatever is like, be faithful where you are. Mm-hmm. Remember like the call on your life, where you are exactly right now. There's, there's students, there's people that God has placed in your path for a very specific reason to shepherd and disciple. Well, um, and if you're constantly thinking about what's coming up, you're going to completely miss what's right in front of you. And I've seen that in my life many times. Another thing for, for student pastors and student leaders is I've always thought, um, and I would, I would definitely not say that these are the only things, but two very important, I would say foundational pillars of student ministry, um, is our, uh, relationships and consistency. And you can't expect to have to create and cultivate genuine relationships with people in general, but especially students, if you're not a consistent in their life. And so I would, I would highly encourage, um, like it's gotta be more than a Wednesday night, Sunday morning routine of, because if you only show up on a Wednesday night or a Sunday, a lot of students may just naturally think, Oh, well, they're here because they have to, Mm -hmm. but if you take the time and they, and you give opportunities to let these students see you live life and see how your family functions. And, um, like, well, we've, uh, a huge part of our ministry has always been both at our, the church we came from and the, our current churches is, is students feel the freedom to, to come to our house. Um, yes, have boundaries. You need to have family time. That needs to be very important. Um, but some of the, some of the best discipleship opportunities that I've had and that my wife has had has been with two, three, four, five students sitting on our couch yeah. while our three children are running around, uh, in diapers being crazy, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but those conversations, you can't, you can't make those up. I mean, they just, they only happen in genuine, authentic moments, yeah. um, in a relationship with somebody. And so, um, let, let students see you live life. So let, let them see your, your marriage. Um, the, a, a godly marriage should be a beautiful picture of the gospel of Christ. And so yeah. if you're living your life and you're, you're letting as a, as a student pastor, as a husband, if you're letting students see how you treat your wife in a godly way and your kids, and as, or if you're a, a, a woman and, and seeing how you, how you lead, how you take care of your home well and, and, and love on your children and, 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 and love your husband. Well, like these things that speaks more than, than any, maybe any 30 minute message maybe ever could. (laughs) And so that letting them see you live life, that it's genuine, that it's authentic, that it's not just some charade or facade that people put on. Cause unfortunately a lot of people, and we've all been guilty of it at some point in time in our life of, of putting on a, a mask and trying to make it seem like mm. we've got things figured out, but these students need to see that we don't, we're, we're walking this life. And so on that note, let students see you grow, yeah. let them see in your life, how God has, has grown you and how you've matured in your faith and, um, and your faith in Christ and, and things like that. So that would be probably one of the biggest things is, is, is be genuine. Let, let students see you live life. Um, and, and let them see you grow, like yeah. be, be open and vulnerable about that. Well, I love it, man. Uh, so thank you so much for uh, taking the time to, to be a part of this. Uh, I know, um, 
I, I sent you the link and you're like, Hey, go back and you can check out some other ones. And you were like, Hey man, I can't stop listening to, uh, to some of these episodes, which is uh, super cool. We don't have all the answers, but it's cool to hear other people's stories because I, I believe there's a, I believe there's a lot of relatability, uh, in, in these conversations, people that are walking through some of the same things together, or they're going to walk through something that maybe they hear, uh, people sharing their story on these, these episodes. And so, uh, thanks again, Jenny. It's awesome having you. Awesome to see you. Awesome to hear your story. And uh, and obviously, I get a uh, a different perspective and look at your guys' life through uh, through the family, through our family side, and being being married into uh, to your amazing family. Uh, but it's always really cool. I'm always uh, so proud of you, and uh, we support you 100. Uh, percent What you what you're doing there, uh, you and uh, and Brittany, your family, and everybody uh, involved. And so. So cool. Thank you guys uh, for, for listening to the podcast. Uh, this will, the youth ministry stream releases uh, one time every month, but we have other podcast episodes that fill the gap in uh, a bunch of different categories, a, different, a bunch of different ways. And uh, in fact, if you want to check out our last episode of that released uh, last week, it was on the camp talk. And we just talked about Pondo and our heart for youth leaders and what we, what we love to do here at camp and what we plan to do even outside of these, uh, these campgrounds uh, to continue to pour into and invest in uh, youth pastors, youth leaders, uh, because we love you guys and, uh, and we, uh, we support you 100%. So, uh, Jenny, we'll talk again soon and uh, we'll check you out next time on the Pondo Podcast. See you.